You are listening to The Mystic Show, episode 154. Time to open up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. And it is necessary to be open when we're talking about spirituality and experiencing spirituality in our lives. Uh, My name is Chris Curran, and this is the show where we talk all about spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, a lot of things that are unseen and otherworldly. And even though we can't see them or hold them in our hand, they're the most important things in our lives. And we know it. Um, The purpose of this show is for you and I to keep this conversation going and learn something and hopefully implement it in our lives. So it makes a difference. If you practice a lot of the things we talk about on this show, it'll make a wonderful difference in your life. We release new episodes every Friday morning, very early. Well, for the U.S. folks, it's early. Um, And of course, last week we had the special episode with my niece Leah helping me out when I was visiting Austin. You can find this show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, And of course, our website, which is themysticshow.net. All the episodes are there. And you can even download some free audio. I I made this really cool little audio series called Relax with Rumi. I took some quotes from Rumi. He's the 14th century Persian poet. And I read some of his selected quotes over relaxing music. And it's pretty cool. All you have to do is sign up for... Um, our behind-the-scenes email list, and uh, you get the audio for free. You just download it. Um, And then, of course, you get a weekly email from me telling you a little bit about behind-the-scenes of The Mystic Show, stuff you don't hear on the show. Quickly, I'd like to thank Pause Your Life, which is kind of our sponsor. Uh, It's an organization that provides retreats and meetups. Pause Your Life. For For those of you who feel the need at times to press the pause button and stop the whole world and just step out of the daily grind and just be yourself, be a human being for a couple hours or a couple days. It's very refreshing. So the plan for this show, I'm going to read a little bit, a very short excerpt from uh, this book called 365 Dow. And then I have three topics I'm going to talk about. One is, are you coachable? And how does that apply to spirituality? Um, Another topic is positioning. And that's kind of deep. That has many facets to it. I'm going to get into positioning because I had a few experiences (laughs) recently that underscored this importance of positioning. And then a little thing about seeing things. So I'll get to all that. Um, But I just, I wanted to ask you, Sometimes in my life, you know, when I turn to look at the clock, I'll see a certain number and I'm, lo- I'm talking about the seconds. 
So it just happened before this show. I turned to look at the my recorder numbers and it has the minutes and the seconds. And the seconds, if you, you know, normally if you watch it, it's, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18. It moves pretty quick. But I looked at it when it was 09 seconds and it just stayed on 09. It seemed like for a few seconds or even five seconds. A long time. It felt like it was just staying right there at 09. And then it went to 10 and 11 on normal pace. But that's happened to me several times in my life where I'll look at a clock and it just looks like it's frozen. And then it just starts going normally. And I don't know what that is. Maybe that has to do with perception or at the moment you look at it, maybe you're so de- you, you know the perception is so deep that it alters the perception of time for me so i i don't know what that is maybe scientifically that's been discussed i i don't know um it's one of those interesting things that happens from time to time and i don't know if there's an explanation i'm not sure it matters a whole lot but it does you know underscore this idea that we are human beings having this amazing experience on earth, you know, living in a human body, experiencing so many wonderful things. Um, Let's quickly read this uh, little excerpt from 365 Dao. This is a book by Deng Ming Dao. We read from this book all the time. There's a passage for every day of the year, and today's passage is called Moderation. So I'll just go ahead and read it. Moderation. Alternate between the solitary and the social. Whether alone or with others, keep serenity. Some people argue that Tao can be known only through bitter asceticism. Others prefer massive congregations. But those who follow Tao are neither too solitary nor too gregarious. They have regular times of privacy, and they equally enjoy being with others. Privacy is good, but an overly monastic life can lead to unhappiness, delusion, and even insanity. In the same way, relationships are good, but too much social intercourse can lead to conformity, conflict, and stress. Therefore, The way of Tao aims to maximize the good and minimize the bad. We should have regular times to be alone, meditate alone, even sleep alone. This gives us clarity. Then we can bring this understanding to our relationships. Friendships will be all the more wonderful. Once we understand moderation, we move between the solitary and the social without any mistake. So there you go. That that pertains to pause your life right there. Wow. I mean, we all know this is true. You all know if you spend some time with yourself, meditating away from the world, when you re-enter the world, you feel somehow uh, rejuvenated or encouraged, enlivened, yeah, so the what this passage says, the the alternating between, yes, being in public, being social, having friendships and relationships, and then also being solitary and meditating and just being with yourself. 
It's wonderful. So I wanted to talk about this example that Eckhart Tolle gave on one of his videos that we watched. And he ta- he's talking about the ego and how our ego thinks that if we, if we gather so many things in life, if we achieve so many things and accumulate so much stuff, then we'll be happy. Eckhart Tolle describes it as having a basket. Let's say you're, you have an empty basket in front of you. And you think that, okay, if I go and find these 10 items and fill my basket with these 10 items, then I'll be happy. But we all know that doesn't happen because when you have your 10 items, then there's probably at least 10 others that you want, right? So then you have to go find those 10. It's never ending, right? You know, we think that if we fill our basket with the right stuff, then we'll be happy. And his point is that that basket is basically a bottomless pit. You can put anything in it. It's not enough. And that's how the ego is. The ego, our ego wants this. And then once we achieve that, oh, well, now we want that. (laughs) And that's how our ego just leads us around in life to pursue all these things that we don't really need most times. So that little example of the bottomless basket I thought was really good. I mean, probably in your own life, you can think of things that you've wanted to achieve or maybe you wanted to buy, you know, have your own house and then you get your own house and it's great. And then after a while, it's like, okay, well now I want uh, a summer home (laughs) or I want a yacht, (laughs) right? And and then life will be complete. <laughs> it's interesting. So on the spiritual path, and we're all on the spiritual path, whether we know it or not. One thing that makes a big difference is if you are open to being taught. If you, you know, have the mindset of a student. You know, the question is, are you coachable? You know, a lot of... Especially from religion, a lot of people in religion think that, okay, if they go to church or if they go to the temple and they do, you know, a couple things, that's it. That's fine. They're covered. That's all. That's, you know, religion occupies a very small part of their life. And they feel like if they fulfill just a few requirements, you know, show up at church, whatever, then you're good. That's all you need to do. Then you're saved. You know, God loves you. You're going to heaven, whatever. Um, and, and of course, a lot of those people too are praying to God for certain things. Oh God, please, you know, please find me a job where I make more money. And you know, that type of prayer is basically begging, right? Which is not very classy. (laughs) Let's put it that way. So anyway, and and by the way, I'm not criticizing the people in religion who think like that or behave like that. That's where they are. It's okay. I was there. You know, when I was it was when I was very much younger, a child basically. I thought you just go to church. That's what mom told us to do. We go to church, we do this. Yeah, you know, you have to dress up nice. <laughs> you have to look good for church. And we have to go to CCD, we have to learn about the Bible. It's good. We did it. And, you know, and there came a time in my life when I realized, you know, there's something, there's something beyond all this. And I kind of want to know what it is. So being a seeker, 
being a true seeker of spirituality is very important on the path because, you know, basically you arrive at a place where you admit that I don't know. You know, everyone in this world wants to explain everything to us and say, everything's okay. This is how it works. This is what it is. That's it. That's all there is. And it's good. And we as human beings, we know that's not all there is, right? Even the silly thing that I explained at the beginning of this episode about looking at the clock and the clock looks like it's standing still and that there's some perception thing. There's something more there. We know this. You know, when you're in that dreamy state between sleep and waking and you have thoughts that are dreams or lucid dreams. I mean, there's so much more to our consciousness and it takes some guts to say, you know what? I don't know everything. And you know what? I need to study and practice. So studying and practicing are necessary. And guess what? They give a big reward. You know, if you study and if you practice spirituality, you are getting a huge reward. You might not, you know, it's not like having a job where you get a paycheck every week and you can look at the paycheck and say, hey, I did it. This is good. I can pay my mortgage. Our spiritual earnings are of a different sort. And I talked about this a few episodes ago, that a lot of older folks who have never focused on spirituality you know, when they start getting old and they start to lose their faculties and they can't do what they used to do, they get depressed. It's hard getting old. Life changes. But all of our spiritual studying and practice prepares us for that. And we know life changes, but being spiritual aspirants, we know that old age is just a stage and it'll come and it'll go. We have some more to do. You know, so we look beyond old age. We look beyond death, really. So a true seeker is continually broadening his or her awareness, right? Our consciousness. It's this being open to learning, to understanding, to listening. And it takes patience, too. You know, this is when I started meditation, however many years ago. Well, I, I kind of came to meditation f- from a position of desperation. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't really expecting results. I just needed something. And, and I got something. I, I got pacified and, I, and it was good. Um, but it takes years for real changes to unfold. And, and I know beginners don't like to hear that. <laughs> but it's true. It takes years. And only after a few few years, at least, can you look back and say, wow, look how much I've changed. So being a true seeker, being coachable, being open to learning, these are attitudes of the true spiritual aspirant. And, and, And think about it. Have you ever taught anybody anything? Like, have you ever taught a class or even tried to show somebody how to, how to do something on a computer? If you're the teacher and your student is totally arrogant and they don't want to learn and they don't like you, how inspired are you to teach that person? (laughs) You're not. 
you'll just give it up. You'll say, you know what? You're on your own. Forget it if you're going to be a jerk. But on the other side of the coin, what happens when you're teaching someone and they really are a good student? They're listening to what you say. They're open to learning. You want to teach them more. You want to spend more time with them. You want to impart more of your knowledge to them and help them more. It's just a natural thing with the teacher-student relationship. So, so if you're a good student in spirituality, you're going to find a lot of people. A lot of people are going to show up who are going to teach you a lot of cool things and good things. Teachers who would otherwise just not have anything to do with you, not even talk to you probably. So that attitude of openness and coachability is, is so important. Um, I think we should take just a real short break just to, to ponder that. Think about that. Are you coachable? Are you a good student? Just take a moment. Think about that. Welcome back to the Mystic Show. <laughs> and by the way, you can share these episodes with your friends, with your family. Um, you can go to themysticshow.net and share it. Or we're also on Facebook and Twitter and all that. So if you hear something or, you know, even look back at past episodes and, and see something you want to share, go ahead and share it. These topics are wonderful topics to talk about with your friends and family. I mean, it's, it's, trust me, it's way better to talk about this stuff than to worry about the Kardashians and uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, nothing against the Kardashians. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's, the next topic is, I want to tell you a little story. When I was 17 and I was living in New Jersey which I grew up in New Jersey and I was practicing driving and I had my driving permit. So I think I was actually, I think 16 and a half, you can get your permit. And then at 17, you can take the test. And if you pass, you get your license. So I had my permit and I was driving with my dad and I had also bought a truck as well, which actually was a nice thing. My parents did. They said, Hey, if you want a car or a truck, you you have to buy it yourself. <laughs> so I had to work a lot from when I was the summer after eighth grade. I started working and I worked and worked and saved money and I actually was able to buy a truck with my own money at 16 and a half or whatever. So my dad was with me and we were driving and it was early in the morning and I forget where we were going. I don't remember, but, and we turned this corner and the sun glare 
hit us in the face, right? So I put down my visor and I was going very slow. It was a, not a major road, just some back roads. And I was going pretty slow and I'm driving and it's like, it's hard to see. And I'm looking and I knew the road. I was familiar with the road. And my dad says to me, hey, you see that, uh, see that truck right there on the right? And I hadn't seen it. And I kind of looked and I slowed down just a little. And then I saw the truck on the right. This truck was pulled over, was kind of halfway in my lane. And I didn't see it because of the glare. But my dad, obviously, with a zillion more years of driving experience than me, he saw this truck. And then I got to see it. And, and okay, so then we went around the truck and that was fine. And then we're driving along and... I must have been hitting some bumps or hitting some potholes <laughs> because my dad said to me, it's a quote I'll never forget. He says, and when you get good, you'll avoid the bumps. That's what he said. And when you get good, you'll avoid the bumps. And that was like so nice to hear that because it was just a nice subtle way to tell me, hey, you can avoid the bumps and it might take a little while and it's okay, whatever. It was a nice little subtle little comment, little piece of training. And think about that. When you get good, you'll avoid the bumps. So, of course, driving now, I, you, I avoid the bumps. You, you look at the road when you're driving, you avoid the bumps. So, of course, here comes the big spiritual analogy that in life as well, when you get good, you'll avoid the bumps. So, what does that mean? That means that this truth that we cause most of our problems ourselves. We literally cause our own problems, usually by following around the desires of the ego and, and getting into things that we shouldn't get into. So probably the most effective way for you and I to avoid the bumps in life or avoid the turbulence, if you will, is to simplify. Simplifying our lives really takes out a lot of the drama, a lot of the areas that cause us problems. And in that way, we can avoid a lot of trouble. And it reminds me of the lyrics of that Guns N' Roses song. Uh, I can't remember which one. Oh, Sweet Child of Mine, where he says, uh, at one point he says, and I prayed for the thunder and the rain that quietly passed me by. You know, a lot of desires we have, we want to be fulfilled, but sometimes nature does not fulfill them because nature is basically <laughs> keeping us away from a big headache <laughs> or a big problem. So we think we're failing to achieve something, but actually nature is diverting us to something else, something better. Nature is helping us avoid that problem. It's an interesting way to look at anything in your life that you tried to achieve, but you didn't. It's my opinion that that's what it usually is. Nature or the universe is pushing you towards something else. That's even better. That attitude toward failure has helped me a lot in my life, certainly. <laughs> All the iterations of my business and career. But simplifying our lives is, is the answer. So, so now I want to get into positioning, and I have many examples of this, so stay with me on this one. This is, this is pretty cool. 
positioning. So I've played a bunch of chess in my life and I like chess, although I haven't played or really followed it in many years. Chess is a great analogy for life and all that. So um, positioning in chess is very important. So, you know, maybe your opponent is moving pieces all over the board and maybe you're kind of just staying to yourself. But if, if you position your pieces properly, you can have a really strong position and your opponent will not be able to attack you. So it might not look like you're winning the game, but you're very solid. You have a really good, strong position. And, and that affords you the opportunity later to break out of that position and, you know, go into attack mode and attack your opponent. So positioning in chess is very important and there's rules for that and this kind of thing. Um, and then another example is I, my wife and I just watched this movie called Kumare and it's this Indian guy who he was looking around for a spiritual teacher and he, he was having trouble finding one because he found that all the spiritual teachers were, basically fraudulent they weren't really who they say they were and they just were doing it for their own personal gain um and so he decided to almost well he decided to pretend like he was a guru like he was a teacher and he just started giving talks and he started teaching people and he just made stuff up like this the whole blue light meditation he just made it up on the spot and all these things, he just, he literally made it all up. And throughout the movie, a small group of people start following him. They take him as their guru and they think he's so wonderful that he's so in touch with the universe. And, <laughs> and, and at the end, he wants to tell them that, hey, I'm not really a guru. This was kind of an experiment, um, which by the way, he learned a lot by doing it. And in the end, everyone learned a lot. But in the end, he, well, I don't want to spoil the ending, but so positioning, he positioned himself as a guru and all of a sudden all these people said, oh, he must be a guru. I like what he says. I'll take him as my guru. You know, please have me as your student <laughs> guru. So, that, right, that's positioning. And there's even uh, that example from Facebook where, was it George Clooney? Somebody went on the streets of New York dressed as a homeless person with a sign that was asking for money and they just got completely ignored. That's positioning too. You know, I think it was George Clooney. He positioned himself as a homeless person and you see what results he got. But what if he was George Clooney walking around New York City asking, you know, meeting people and what if he was asking for money? People would probably give money if he was raising money for, you know, a good cause, right? So that's positioning as well. Another example, and, and this does have a spiritual point, <laughs> I promise. Although I kind of already made it, if you were perceptive. Um, so recently, I tried to get in touch with this person who runs this big social media conference. His name is Michael Stelzner. He runs the social media marketing world in San Diego every year. And I wanted to talk to him about one of the shows we're doing. And he, I wanted to ask him to be a guest on one of my other podcast shows. And there's like a handful of stuff I wanted to talk to him about. So I tried to approach directly without any 
referral or without an introduction from someone else. And of course, I had to go through the gatekeeper, you know, his assistant or secretary, someone who vets people, right? Because apparently a lot of people want his time and I understand that. Anyway, I went through that process and it turns out that he's a really big, successful, important guy. And it turns out that if we were to compare his success with my success in that social media arena, I'm a nobody. (laughs) I have achieved almost nothing. And he doesn't have time to talk to me. That's what his assistant told me, which I understand. I really do. I absolutely do. You know, I mean, if there comes a time with our other show, which is called Social Media Unscrambled, if our show starts to take off and we have a lot of listeners and we have a, a fan base, then I'm sure if I wanted to meet this guy, Michael Stelzner, I'm sure he'd take a meeting with me. Right now, he won't. And that's okay. I'm cool with that. But here's the point. The way I positioned myself by approaching directly was, in my opinion, absolutely wrong. And I was actually, I wasn't upset with myself, but I kind of kicked myself and said, you should know better after all this time. But think about this. What if, I've, what if I'm friends with someone who's friends with him? And what if I ask that intermediary friend to give me a personal introduction to him? And to sort of vouch for me saying, yeah, Chris is a good guy. And you know what? If you spend 15 minutes on the phone, it'll be good because he's he's doing a lot of cool stuff and whatnot. Um, If I went with that approach, if it was possible, that would have got me the meeting. Right. So there see how I positioned myself. I put myself in a position of weakness when I approached him, when I should have found a way to position myself better. Anyway, that's a good example of positioning, right? So in spiritual terms, we have the ability to craft our lives so we can live our lives from a position of truth and simplicity. And truth and simplicity equal strength. So we can simplify our lives. We can... um, divert some of our energy into the more important aspects of our lives. Meaning if you, you know, go out dancing every now and then, that's fine. But going out dancing, you know, for nine hours every day, seven days a week, that's too much, right? So there's a balance. We we can be creative. We can have some fun. No one is saying that we can't. But it all comes down to balance, So if we craft our lives, we can craft a balance in our lives that benefits both sides, right? Like like the reading from 365 Tao. Sometimes we can be solitary. Sometimes we can be social. There's a balance there. And the beauty of balancing your life in this way and, and giving real importance to the spiritual part of your life, and like I said before, studying and practicing what happens is we gain inner strength and that strength will always overpower the people and the circumstances in our lives who are, you know, not operating by truth or who might be confused by such a complex life or such a busy life or such wrong values and all this. So by simplifying and and aligning with truth, 
which is in yourself, we access this power, which is more powerful than the guy down the street who is just a complete wreck because he works too much and he has bad habits, right? So that's the benefit. That's the positioning you can have in your life where you can operate from this position of strength and avoid the bumps and and see things. So what do I mean by see things? I recently saw this post on Facebook, I think, where a mom would let her two-year-old doodle on paper. I mean, random nonsense doodling. And then the mom would take the paper and sort of make a masterpiece out of it. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. But what does it show? It shows that the mom has vision. She can see something good in the nonsense. So seeing things that aren't there, <laughs> you know, if you, tell, if you go to your doctor and say, hey, I'm seeing things that aren't, aren't there, you know, the, the guys in the white coats might come in. <laughs> By the way, I want one of those white coats. I don't know why. I just want to wear one. I, I don't know. Um, but if you see things that aren't there, people will think you're crazy. But that's exactly what the creative and innovative part of us wants to do. And the positive side of us. These days, it's really easy to look at the world and see how bad it is, how crazy it is, right? It's very easy to view the world that way. It's not so easy to have a vision beyond that and see how we can take what we have, take the circumstance on the planet Earth right now as it is, and create something great from it. That's vision. That's seeing things. So what do you see? What do you see in people? Sometimes we look at people and we say, oh, he drinks and smokes. He's a bad guy. He's, un he's, he's unhealthy. He's a bad guy. Well, on the surface, that might be true, but we know that deep inside his heart is divinity. So you can see the alcoholic in him, or you can see the divinity in him. And they're both there. There's no question about that. It's just a matter of what you see and what you focus on. So, and what do you see in situations in your life? You know, it's like seeing the shapes in the clouds. You know, you might look at a cloud. I might see a, a dog. You might see a horse. Or, and someone else might see a goblin, right? It's the same cloud. It's just perception. So there's one quote I want to leave you with regarding uh, seeing things. And it goes like this. Ready? Obstacles are those frightening things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. I'll read that again. Obstacles are those frightening things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. So in spirituality, our goal is inside. Our goal is beyond physical life. And if we always look toward that, we might not see all these crazy obstacles in the way. And at times we might have to look at the real world and, or the physical world and deal with it. That's fine. But we're on a higher path. 
you are a mystic in training. And I hope you enjoyed some of these topics. Again, maybe you want to talk to some of your friends and colleagues about this stuff. I mean, at lunchtime, talk about ask your <laughs> ask your coworkers about seeing things or positioning. That'd be so cool. So again, our website, themysticshow.net. Feel free to comment on these episodes as well. I really like to hear from you. You you probably have way better examples than I do. <laughs> Please share them. Other people want to hear them too. So So have a great day, have a great week, and until we meet again, as always, keep shining.